I know we've got some guests. We are so glad that you're here. We hope that our worship so far has been in spirit and in truth. I want to say that there is a lot of good things that are happening right now at Fountainhead, and and there's some things that maybe not everybody knows about, but just know that your labor is not in vain and the things that you are doing are affecting people's lives and it is for the absolute glory of God. And I appreciate the things that you're doing. It is an encouragement. It makes me want to work harder. It makes me want to do better and just keep striving and looking for opportunities to shine your light in somebody's life. Look for opportunities to be that one person that somebody needs in that time of discouragement or that time of despair because people in this world need Jesus Christ. And we are the ones who can give it to them. We are the ones who can show them Jesus. And that is exactly what I want to talk about this morning as we continue our lessons in 1 John. A new love. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I want to read them, and then I want to back up, and then I want to work through those verses. This is a great encouragement for us as brethren. This is something that if you really just give it a few minutes, and you really meditate on it and think about your life, it will be a blessing to you and to so many more. The Bible says this, brethren... I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light... And hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The first thing to consider this morning is... Love as an old commandment. Think about what verse 7 says. It says, brethren or beloved, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. You know, when we think about the concept of love, this isn't something that is new. You remember all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, a verse that is so powerful still today. Moses comes, the Lord wants uh, him to speak to the children of Israel, and he tells them this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
And then he continues this thought of love in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The Lord shows us way back when, way back in the Old Testament, this concept of love. And I want you, if you will, for just a second, turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Keep your fingers in 1 John, but go to Romans chapter 13. And I want you to look at a couple verses, and I want to pull some things together after we read this. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Watch what the Bible says. Watch what Paul tells us. It says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. John is not necessarily in the context of 1 John talking about the beginning as far as we know, uh, you know, way back in the beginning when God created everything or even in the beginning of the Mosaic Age. No, probably what he's talking about right here is the beginning of their salvation. The beginning of when they became a child of God. See, Jew or Gentile, when they become a Christian back then or we become a Christian right now, they have to be taught this concept of counting the cost. You remember, if you want to be a follower of mine, the first thing that you have to do is you have to deny yourself. Count the cost. Is it worth it? Are all the things that you're doing in this world, are all the pleasures of this life more important than following me? Because if they are, you're probably not going to like what I'm doing. You're probably not going to be want to be on this team because those things, those pleasures are only temporary. Temporary, sorry. I've been having a little bit of trouble saying some stuff. So excuse me if I do mess up. I'm not trying to. But if you're going to be a Christian, there is a commitment that has to come with it. There's a commitment that has to come to obedience to the law of God and love towards God and his people. Amen? When I'm a Christian, that's a basic understanding that we have, right? Love God and love everybody else, right? But look at what it says in verse 7. It says, back in 1 John, it says, The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. A Christian should be marked by the obedience to the Lord and love. This is not a new thing. This was something that was not just brought up by John in passing. This is actually the apostolic teaching. Jesus told them, 
and then they told everybody else, and we still talk about it to this day. Amen? Now, I want you to think about uh, this thought from Tertullian. He was a Christian in 212 AD. Look at what he says. Our religion commands us to even uh, to love even our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. For everyone loves those who love them. Isn't that true? Isn't that something you heard in the Bible before? For everyone loves those who love them, but it is unique to Christians to love those who hate them. This is something that is unique to a Christian. This is something that is different for a Christian because we understand this concept of love, right? But here's the beauty of this passage. This is, it's just about ready to open up because we get to this second point and I want to uh, let you see what happens in God's word. You know, you read 1 John and I've been told as a Christian, hey, read 1 John because you can read these basic principles and you really understand what a Christian is all about and what, it, uh, what they need to do. But you know what? There's some deep truths in this little epistle. There's some deep truths for us veteran children of God, right? There's some deep meanings that we can gather from this and grow from if we will let it. And here is one of them right here. Look at verse eight. He says, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So the first thing to consider and what he says is this is not a new commandment, but an old one, this concept of love. But love is a new commandment. He says, again, a new commandment I write to you. It almost seems silly that he would say, I'm not giving you a new commandment, but wait, yeah, I am. I am giving you a new commandment. This new commandment is the old commandment updated. (laughs) You ever had an update on your phone? You know, Jesus Uh, When he passes back from, when he leaves the old covenant and he goes into the new covenant, what does he always do? I talked about this in a Bible study the other night. And isn't this the case? Every time Jesus wants to talk about the Ten Commandments uh, and they pass over into the new, it's always an updated version, isn't it? Don't commit adultery. You've heard it said of old, but I say to you, If you even look and lust in your heart after that woman, you've already committed adultery with her. Jesus always steps it up. And here we see that playing out perfectly. We all understand the concept of love. Just take Jesus out for a second. If we think about the word love, we could do our best to love each other. We could do our best to love God. But when does it come different. When does our love become something different? When we understand how Jesus loved. See, look at what he says. He says, again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him. Think about that for a minute. 
Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 13. Keep your finger here and go to John chapter 13. Let me set some things up and then I'll pull it all together. I promise you. Just let me pull. Matt, you all over the place. Let me set this up and I'll pull it together. Just hang, hang with me, right? Matt, you, you kind of lost me in some spots. I, I'll bring you to where you need to be. Trust me, I'm not that smart. So my lessons ain't going to take you out to places uh, where I can't go back because I'm just not that smart to do that. John chapter 13. Verses 34 and 35, and we know this scripture, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 are very powerful. Because what they do is they start something different. They start a new way of thinking that has never happened before. Because up until this point, loving your neighbor was understood, but loving each other was understood, but then there comes an added part to it. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love each other As I have loved you. Jesus, as he always does, he makes things better. While the command and the thought of love had been from the beginning of time and through the Old Testament, it had never seen its perfection until when Jesus Christ came along. (laughs) The Messiah, Yeshua. Before Jesus came into the picture, the understanding of what love was supposed to look like wasn't fully understood. You know, people would love the best way that they could. But when Jesus came and did what he did, he set the standard of how we should love someone from now on. The way we love God and the way we love our neighbor Never had the world seen this perfect love until Jesus came into the picture. If you're still in John 13, go back to verse 1, and I want you to look at a specific verse. Uh, John, I mean, a specific word, John chapter 13, verse 1. This was before the feast of the Passover. This was before Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's before he identifies the betrayer. It's before several things take place. And look at what the Bible says. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, this Greek word end right here is an awesome word because that word means that he loved them perfectly. He loved them eternally. He loved them to the uttermost. Brethren, let me ask you a question. If you're married, you will probably say, yes, I love my wife so much, but do you love your brother that way? Do you love your brother in Christ that way or your sister in Christ that way? 
Do you love somebody who is in the world struggling to make it? Do you love them that way? See, there's a difference in our love, isn't it? It's just who we are. But how did Jesus love? Jesus loved the whole wide world. The same. I care about their soul. I want to talk to them. I want to figure out the situations in their life. You know, when this starts coming up to the top and this starts becoming who you are, I can really start to see why Jesus says, it don't matter where I lay my head. It don't matter. It's irrelevant. Because not only am I going to help somebody else, I'm going to get my family to help somebody else, and we're going to change people's lives. I'm going to be consumed with doing your will, Lord, because I love you so much. I don't ever want anything to happen to Libby. And I'll do anything to prevent it. I don't want anything to happen to Isaac. And I'll do anything that I can do to prevent it. Amen? What about you? What about your children? Are we doing everything that we can to our family members to help them prevent something that's coming? Something's coming, brethren. The day of the Lord is about to be upon us, and it will be never to be fixed again. When Jesus Christ comes, it's over. All the fun, all the games, all the hustles, all the things that you're sneaking around doing that you know you're not supposed to be doing, it will be over and you will absolutely stand in front of a God who will judge you justly and perfectly. How will you react then when it's too late? Man, I had time. I want you to think about what Justin Martyr says in A.D. 60. And think about where he's at in the context. He says, we Gentiles who used to hate and destroy one another. Now, I don't know about all that. I've never been a part of some stuff like that. You know, I've never been a part of hating another type of people and going to destroy them. I don't know about this war and this, this type of attitude. But here Justin Martyr does understand that. War was happening all the time. Fights and people taking over cities and all of those things were happening all the time. And he says, uh, we Gentiles who used to hate and destroy one another and would not live with the men of a different tribe because of their different manners... Now, since the coming of Christ, we live familiarly with them and pray for our enemies. The attitude has changed. Now nobody is better than anybody. Everybody's worth it. Everybody has a chance. Everybody has an opportunity. Am I ready to share it with somebody? Or is it still all about me? Maybe later. Lord, maybe later I'll do it. I just want to do me for a while. I need to do me, and maybe later on I'll get it right, and then I'll do you. I mean, that's how it worked with my parents. You know, that's how it worked out with Matt. He got to do him, and then now he's good, right? What a scary 
place to live. What a scary place to dwell because you do not know what's going to happen. Amen? But he says that uh, back in the context of 1 John chapter 8, he says, And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Two things right here. The first thing is that it was true in him. Jesus brings this old understanding of love, this old concept of loving somebody to a new level. And it becomes the truth in him. But then something really cool happens. It says, not only in him, but in you. This is a new commandment because we see Jesus is the example. And he's gone, isn't he? He's up in heaven. But where are we at? Right here. And what do we get the opportunity to do? We get to be the ones who show it to everybody. We get to do as he did. We get to love like Jesus loved. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 becomes so powerful. The verse that we all know probably can quote by heart. But if there is anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. The way that I love somebody, the way that I take care of somebody is according to the way Jesus does it. The way Jesus did it. It's not the way I desire to do it. It's not the way I uh, fix the situation and manipulate it to get it to fix my schedule. No, I do it the way that the Lord would do it. No excuse. I want to read something to you, and if you want to, you can flip there. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 19 talks about this concept of Christ being in us and the love that Christ has. And I've probably read this many a times, but it says, uh, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When I start to comprehend, when I start to understand just how much Jesus loves us and the way that he loves us, the Bible tells us that we will be filled with the fullness of God. And watch what happens on the blessing side. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us. (laughs) Wait a minute. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You may ask it. You may think it's a great idea. And it might be. You may think it and you may think that it's a great plan. But when it comes down to it, and I'm trying to do according to God's word, what do I see? That according to his power, he can do things exceedingly above anything that I think or ask for. Because he's that awesome. 
To him be the glory in the church. Amen? Does that move you at all? Does that affect us in any way? Because to him is the glory in the church. We have the ability to have things above anything that we ask or think. When we understand how much Jesus loves us, when we understand how much he cares for us, when we understand the things that he did for us, it should motivate us to be different. Hey, brethren, if you're doing it, keep on keeping on. And you know what? God will bless your life. If you're just trying to start doing it, begin. Take the step. Show somebody Christ in your life. And let it consume you. And watch what happens. Because as we draw closer and closer to the Lord, what should be happening in our lives? 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Do we love each other? Are we willing to forgive each other? Are we willing to let some things go that somebody did wrong? Even after they've apologized, can we let it go in our minds? Can we make those things right? The love of Christ should be coming more and more noticeable in our lives. Where are you at when you measure yourself up? Where are you at when you measure yourself up to the love of Christ? You know, Polycarp said this in A.D. 135. And the only reason why I got these quotes, I was reading a book on uh, these guys. And they had some really good quotes on love. And boy, this one is a great one. He that has love is far from sin. Am I right about it? If I got love in my heart for somebody... If I've got love within me, I'm going to keep myself away from sin. But, you know, that's not just a great opinion. Isn't that what Paul said? Love is the fulfillment of the law because I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to do all those things that are in the law. Why? Because I have love for not only myself, I have love for God, and I have love for others. Notice at the end of the verse 8, and I'm just about done. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The Greek right here at the end, it says the true light has already been shining. Hadn't it though? The true light already has been shining, ain't it? For 2,000 years, that thing's been shining real bright, ain't it? Jesus Christ is an awesome, awesome man and worthy to be praised. This new way of love, this fresh, this updated way of love has been already shining because Jesus has come and set the standard for us to follow. Are we following that standard The light is here, and it's gaining more and more momentum every day. And catch what this says. It says that the darkness is passing away. 
It's not staying. It's not gaining momentum. It's not fighting back and forth with light. Here's the reality. The darkness will be gone one day. We're moving closer and closer to that time. So if you want to live in the world, if you want to do those things, you better hurry up and get it done. Because one day the darkness will be gone. And I say hallelujah and praise Jehovah for that. The light is here and the darkness is fading away. You remember what Jesus came to do in Galatians 1.4. He tells us, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from what? This present evil age. He came to save us from this place. He came to save us from these things. Why do we want to continue to dwell in them and justify them and make them right? They're not. Sin is sin. As we continue to conform ourselves to the love of Christ, what we do is we move ourselves from the world and its way of evil thinking. The love of Christ. As I move more into loving somebody and caring for somebody and trying to help somebody out, I move myself away from the evil things of this world. Because if I'm not doing anything, you know what I'm saying? How in the world do I help this lady every single day? How do I help Matt every single week? And it's just like he can't get right. I get it. We talked about it today in class. Laziness is something that affects us all the time, doesn't it? But the way I handle it, the way that I talk to people that are lazy, I need to still try, don't I? I still need to give the effort. I still need to work the angle that God would want me to work to make it right. Or do I just give up? Do I just stop? Do I just shut it down? You know what? I'm so thankful that God didn't give up on me. How real is that to you? Are you thankful that God didn't give up on you? When you have a terrible attitude when you come in here on Sunday morning, when you have a terrible attitude when you come in on Wednesday night, when you have a terrible attitude when you see one of the brethren up at food line and you really don't want to talk to them, boy, I'm thankful that the Lord forgives me. Boy, I'm glad that his grace is so big for me. The last thing to consider is love as a way of life. Verse 9 through 11, it finally gets down to what John is trying to talk about. He brings this old commandment in with this new commandment. Uh, love one another as I have loved you, John 13, 34. And then in verse 9 it says, he who says he is in the light. And here it is, black or white. There's no gray in this. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Huh. If we have hate in our hate, if we have hate in our hearts, brethren, we've missed the boat. We missed it. 
When you signed up to be a Christian, hate got kicked out immediately. Huh? Hate is a terrible thing. Hate is a terrible way to live. Hate is something that will destroy you. And the Bible says that you, if you have hate for your brother, you're in darkness. <laughs> wow. If we're in darkness, then that means that God isn't in control of our heart. And we have not understood the teachings of Jesus and his apostles. You remember what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 23 and 24 say? He who was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. This is the incredible part of this verse because when he was reviled, if you got reviled, if somebody was attacking you, if somebody was doing something to you, how would you react? I'm going to tell you how I'm going to react. Come here and get some of this. <laughs> Come over here, man. We're going to see what you got and I'll see what I got and we'll just see who wins, right? But Jesus didn't revile in return. And not only did he not revile in return when he was suffering because of something that he really didn't do, here's what he does. He doesn't threaten back, but he commits himself to God. Lord, I know this is terrible right now, and I'm not feeling good in this situation, Lord. But I'm going to commit myself to you because I know what I came to do. I know what I was supposed to do for you. He commits himself to the one who judges righteously. And then we see this blessing. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed, brethren. <laughs> That's big time. That's love. That is love on all ends, height, depth, width. If we say that we walk in the light and we hate our brother, we are in darkness until now. But look at verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. This is great. Because it goes back to that polycarp comment. He that has love is far from sin. If I have love for my brethren, then I keep myself from stumbling. See, isn't that how it goes? If you don't have love, what do you have? A problem. And then that problem causes what? Somebody to think about something they probably ain't supposed to do, right? The word stumbling here means a scandal. It keeps me from being involved in a scandal or things that offend. It keeps me away from it. Love in my heart does that. Romans 13.10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor. It does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And I want to just uh, let you consider verse 11 as we leave. But he who hates his brother 
is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hate is a dangerous game to play in. Have you ever been in the, in the pitch dark? No light. You have no idea where you're at. I always remember going to like Mammoth Cave, right? And you get down in there and they're like, okay, everybody, we're about to shut the lights off. I mean, you have no idea if you've never been there what's about to happen. I mean, it's like the light goes off and it's like, I mean, you have no idea where anybody is at. That's exactly what the Bible's saying. If we have hate in our heart, we have no idea what we're doing. If I'm close to hate, if my attitude is getting close to that, boy, I better run away from it. I better change my mind. I better change the things that are happening in my life. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it that somebody has done this to me? Or you know what? I'm going to say, you know what? I know you did that to me. But I'm not going to let it affect me because I love you and I care for you. But you're not going to just use me anymore. <laughs> right? You're not just going to walk over me anymore. I love you, but this is the way it's going to go. It's going to go according to how God tells me to do it. And I love you, and I'm going to be there for you. And if you want me to be a help to you, then you're going to have to do the same, right? Being in the pitch dark brings that full circle when we think about those who are outside of the kingdom. Brethren, those who are not in this Fold, who are not children of God, are in the dark. Why don't we turn on the flashlight and show them light? I so appreciate a flashlight when it's dark. Will you be the flashlight? Will you be the one to bring somebody where they need to be? Will you encourage the brethren who are down and are out? Don't walk in darkness. Be a part of the light. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. I appreciate you guys listening to me. Sorry for uh, messing up on some of my words. I apologize for that. I don't know what's going on with my mouth, but I'm going to work it out. I may need to do some stretches or something. One story real quick. I used to chew gum when I was in like eighth grade, and this boy that sat next to me, he would chew gum. And, man, he had like huge muscles right here on his Cheek, on his cheek and every time he would chew I was like how'd you get that and he said I just chewed a lot of gum and so I tried to chew gum and I just still ain't got it but maybe I need to do that to help stretch my mouth or something but anyway y'all don't ever laugh at my jokes it's all right <laughs> you know why I try what in the world it's all good I don't care I love y'all y'all family and I appreciate you Maybe you're here today. Let me challenge you with this, friend, if you're here and you're not a Christian. Don't wait. Don't miss the opportunity to be added to the greatest family ever, one that will never end. You do it by obeying the gospel, believing who Jesus is, believing what he did, believing that he came to this earth, that he died, and that he was resurrected. You do it by repenting of your sins, turning from those things, those ways that you were living, and turning towards God. You do it by confessing his name before men, saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you can't tell me otherwise. 
and being baptized in water for the remission of your sins and having your sins washed completely away, raised to walk in newness of life. And then you begin this journey that is going to take you to heaven one day. If you be faithful unto death, Jesus says, I'll give you the crown of life. What a blessing that will be one day. Amen. If you're here, friend, don't wait. Don't be embarrassed. Just come. Get it right. Jesus could come at any moment. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.